you know, every month you kind of think, damn, like we've seen the worst of 2020 now. And then just things just keep happening and keep happening. And it's kind of crazy. I genuinely felt, I think a few weeks ago, like this year has been quite shitty, but things seem to be getting better. Or at the very least, they're probably the worst that they're going to be. And then Chadwick Boseman died, and I was like, this year has gone to hell. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of shocking. Like, I saw, I just see his name trending on Twitter, and I saw Rest in Peace. I'm like, this has to be a joke, because every time you see a name trending on Twitter, your first reaction is like, yeah, what happened to this person? And then you click, and like, oh, okay, it's just something stupid or whatever. Yeah. And I think a lot of people share that sentiment, because... Every time someone's name is trending, you'll see a couple tweets where people post a reaction thinking that something bad happened and then like a reaction of relief when they realize, oh, you know, they're just trending for, you know, something stupid or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, I click his name and I'm like, like he passed away. I'm like, passed away. I'm like, like from what? I'm like, was he sick? I was like, see like colon cancer. I'm like, this man had colon cancer? Yeah. And I don't know. It was just kind of like, is, is this actually happening? Did, this, did he actually pass away? He's only 43 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like, I think even when you told me, I was genuinely in shock. And I don't know. It's just, it's it's wild. Like, you just, you just don't know what to say. I think it's because of the way the year has gone. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. There, there's nothing else. And... I don't even know. It's, it was almost like unsurprising. Like, of course, some other horrendous news, but also just like so heartbreaking. Like even just seeing his old interviews resurface and stuff. And I shared one of my favorites, but I haven't really been on Instagram the last couple of days because I can't really see too much. It's just so incredibly sad, um, beyond word sad. And it's just, yeah, gut-wrenching. Especially in 2020 and just everything that's happened in the year. It's like for someone to be, not to say like he's the face of black people, but it's like being that he was the person that played Black Panther, one of the most culturally significant movies that come out in the past few years. You know, it's like a huge movie that made over a billion dollars, majority black cast. Yeah. And like it, it wasn't just like a black movie. This is like a blockbuster movie. And it did things that no one would have ever expected yeah. and for the face of that movie to pass away in 2020 when the world is kind of a lot more aware of anti-black racism it's just like the ultimate slap in the face it's like yeah. 2020 is like hey you guys get to see a lot of your people die and you know let's just add another one to that list you know you guys haven't had enough let's just add a cultural icon to that list literally and not as if we didn't lose Kobe in January, which yeah. feels like it was like five years ago at this point. Literally. But... <laughs> Even when Kobe passed, like I wasn't in Canada, which I said before, and I think that might be why. I think it just hit me differently. But I think this death actually was more impactful for me. And it's crazy because, like you said, it wasn't just a superhero movie. Like, obviously, we're fans of the MCU and... You know, we watch Marvel movies regardless, but this movie was people showed up in kente cloth and like African yeah. garb and people who probably don't watch superhero movies went and saw this movie and it just, it was a cultural phenomenon. He was an icon and people literally referred to him as like our king. <laughs> um, 
And it's just, it's it's wild because, I mean, even just how that movie did, breaking crazy amount of records, being one of the highest grossing films of all time, like, you know, but, and, it, and it, it's crazy because it wasn't even, it was about so many things, that movie, but one of the things that I highlighted in my post was like, it was the first time I had actually seen like black love on screen in a very regal way. Yeah. And it's it was like aspirational in every sense of the word. That movie just like made blackness seem not just like cool or like whatever, but like like this thing to be reckoned with, like aspirational. And he brought that to life. And, you know, I think it was Ryan Coogler who said, you know, I spent the last year writing words for this man and he'll never say them you know like just that this thing that he did like his impact um yeah it just can't be replaced you know it's just wild and i think even just like as a side note i think this is even just happening within the week or week and a half of jacob blake's shooting you know and it's yeah. like i remember being in a car on my way driving home from work and hearing his sister talk in front of a crowd of people you know and she was just saying you know, like, I am my brother's keeper, and I was just, like, crying, like, you know, and obviously, it's not just 2020, like, this stuff happens all the time, but I think it's just been a really, just, yeah, it's just, it's been a year, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm about ready for it to be over, like, I was, like, again, like, I was, like, you know, but, but no, after that, I was, like, yeah, I'm ready for, uh, I'm ready for 2020 to be, to be done. Do you know that quote where it's like, or I don't know if it's a quote, but that's saying that life imitates art. Yeah. Something like that. A lot of my favorite <laughs> actors say that often. You know, with everything going on with the Ellen show, well, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here, but I'll just give a quick recap for those of you guys who don't know. So because of the pandemic and a lot of her team being out of work, I guess a lot has come out about her treatment of her employees because her original crew is out of work while she hired a new crew to help her do the show from home. And I guess a lot of things have come out about how terrible of a person she is. And after, you know, originally it was like, yeah, you know, we've known this for time. We've seen the signs, you know, people have said things here and there. Apparently it's an open secret. But then it gets worse. And after three of her producers or top executives, they had so many sexual misconduct allegations come out against them. I think one of them had like 47 people. Yay. That one was like 36. Oh my gosh. Um, one of them apparently groomed some male employee. Another one seemed to get handsy with a lot of the women who worked there. Another one was getting handsy with all the guys who worked there. So, Oh God. Every, everyone was being victimized. <laughs> no one was safe. <laughs> no, no one was safe. Apparently it was just an unsafe work environment. Intimidation, racism, fear, all that. Uh, we should come back to that. But do you actually remember... Um, Dakota Johnson. I do. And that interview. <laughs> that was like she called Ellen out. Yeah. So hard. And I guess for those of you who, who haven't seen it, basically Dakota Johnson, who is an actress, was on the Ellen show and Ellen made a joke of like, why don't you invite me to your birthday? And she's like, no, no, I did invite you and you didn't come. And basically, like, I think Ellen refers to her producer and is kind of like, oh, like, I had that thing, right? And he's like, yeah, you were like away or something. <laughs> but almost I like trying to. So yeah, it was so cringy, but it was basically like, 
you're actually trying to make me look bad but really and truly like i think she actually literally says i didn't even know you liked me and it's like kind of like a joke but it's awkward because it's like oh wait like and alan's like of course i like you you know trying to save face for the show but she was actually serious remember when she offered tiffany haddish a car but then like she didn't actually send her a car no i don't remember that there was some car that she apparently gifted her but then she didn't actually send the car maybe it was like a rental or something and then tyler perry ended up getting her the actual car but anyways so (laughs) (laughs) the reason why i brought up the life imitating art saying or quote Mm -hmm. was because just watching this whole thing unfold it reminded me of the morning show Mm. and so basically it's a show on apple tv where the main premise is this news anchor i think mitch kessler yeah um played by steve carell he was basically fired for sexual misconduct allegations and the show kind of centers around his co-anchor he was played by jennifer aniston yeah jennifer aniston and kind of about the aftermath of everything that happened and a big question in this show is how complicit was she in his actions Mm. and it's like, did she know? Did she choose not to know? Did she see the signs and just ignore them? And it just kind of reminded me of Ellen a lot because Ellen may have just been a bad person and there's no sexual assault allegations against her. Right. But at the same time, it's like, it's supposed to have been like an open secret about how horrible these people were. And for her to be the head of the show and not know that, the only way you could not know is if... You choose not to. Yeah. The only way you could not know is if you ignore everything that's going on or perhaps she didn't know and she just didn't care like willful ignorance yeah yeah that's ah man that's actually wild um the morning show was a great show by the way for anyone listening i highly recommend it for many reasons i think it goes into the me too movement in a really interesting and critical way but even just the acting the writing all of it's quite good but that parallel is one that i i didn't even really see until this moment and it's interesting because you do have this culture of complicity that is often not talked about when it comes to these things, like sexual misconduct allegations, like often the person who is being accused is shamed or is, quote, me too'd or whatever it is. But the surrounding members, the people who may have enabled that behavior are often never called out. And I think with Ellen specifically, you know, she actually came out and said, you know, my name is on the show, obviously. And so part of that accountability is hers. But as somebody who promotes this, be nice to everyone and kindness and love <laughs> and light, um, it just looks really bad. And I think that's actually part of the reason why she's being held accountable. I don't know that if it was on a different kind of show and the same kind of scandal came out, I don't know that Ellen would be the one people are holding accountable. I don't know if it would be her head on a spike versus like just these individuals do you know what i mean yeah i think it definitely i think it would still be the same thing because she is the head of the show and there's no one above her as that i don't know maybe like the network or whatever mm. but so it's like she's in control it's yeah she's she like, is in yeah. control like right because all these people are under her i don't think it would matter what kind of show it is because these people are so under her she should have known about these things and to be honest, like, I don't think there is any way that she didn't know. It's funny because in the morning show, like Alex Levy, the, the co-anchor to Mitch, there are many times where they allude to the fact of like, you knew what was going on, you yeah. know? But for the sake of like running a production company or, or a news show or whatever it is, you chose to be quiet on things that really mattered. And ultimately, like, 
she was selfish. <laughs> I mean, the extent of her selfishness, you and I both disagree, but I do think there is that. And maybe part of it is just like Ellen didn't do anything because she, I, I don't know, like. <laughs> but like, think about it. If you don't do anything, what does that say about you as a person? Sure, you didn't commit the act, but right. you knew it was happening. You sat around and did nothing. Are you not just, maybe not just as guilty, but what that inaction says to me is that you are okay with this happening. Mm. Interesting. I guess while I do completely agree, I also feel like this is the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first time a female TV show or personality has been called to take accountability for those kinds of actions. Like this is the first time I'm seeing her kind of at the brunt of backlash or her as the subject of this Me Too conversation. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a woman, do you know what I mean, at the focal point of this before. Just Me Too in general or? Yeah. I No, I, I, there definitely has been. Really? I don't I don't know of any. It's definitely happened a few times and I don't remember all the names, but I remember one example of Lena Dunham who I guess someone had accused her friend of rape okay. and she kind of came out in this person's defense and accused that woman of lying. Yikes. I think she later apologized and kind of like retracted her statements or whatever, but it's like it's another situation where, you know, some guy has done something and there's a woman next to that person who is defending them. Mm. And it reminds me a lot of, you know, the whole thing with Joe Biden and Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang was one of the presidential nominees for the Democratic Party. And I believe Alyssa Milano, she's an actor, she originally was endorsing Andrew Yang. And there was one ex-employee of his um, who was a woman who claimed some things about him. I don't think it was anything about sexual assault, but I think it might have been about mistreatment. But we don't really have a lot of details about that. Basically, there are allegations about his treatment of this woman at his workplace. And because of these allegations, Alyssa Milano decided, I don't think I can support Andrew Yang anymore. Now, later on, she ends up supporting Joe Biden, and she goes pretty hard for for him, I guess. She's 100% in support of him. <laughs> but he has had multiple sexual assault allegations that have surfaced, and yep. it's just like crickets from her, nothing. You didn't support one person because he allegedly mistreated a female employee of his, not sexual assault, but then someone who was actual multiple sexual assault allegations. I think it might have been like six women or something. And she's in full support of him. It's just strange. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms in terms of like how people and their morals and their convictions change really quickly when politics are in play in a sense of like, if I'm supporting someone who I really think I want to win or whatever, then all my morals and good faith goes out the window. I don't think it's just a political thing. I think it's just like... Do you really think all these like alt-right trolls don't acknowledge the real inequalities that exist in the world? I just feel like it doesn't support their political agenda. No, no, but I think it applies to more than just politics. No, for sure. at the end of the day, people will defend their friends whether in the wrong or not. Right. Like, people mm, will leave their fair. friends over some other random person. Yes. Regardless yes. of what they claim their personal beliefs are or their morals or whatever, 
people will continue to support their friends or people will preach a certain ideology or belief until mm. that kind of affects it goes against They're them <laughs> yeah or it's inconvenient for them then all of a sudden like oh no no, no. my situation <laughs> is the exception not my friend he he didn't do that right or she didn't do that it was those other people i mean that is a whole that's a word in and of itself but it also makes me think back to actually the show and just this concept of like do you think that there can, I mean, I guess even just to break it down smaller, like I think of like the Kavanaugh case in the US and, you know, this notion of like proof versus believing women and all this kind of stuff. And then in the show, you know, Mitch Kessler played by Steve Crow talking about this quote overcorrection of the Me Too movement and, yeah. you know, kind of like the degrees and the the scale and the the level to which someone has done something wrong versus what they've actually done and how that is left to the court of public opinion. Like there's so many moving parts. And funny enough, if you actually are listening to this and care enough like I did, and you actually search up the Me Too movement on Wikipedia just as a basic framework, and you look through specifically the criticisms of the movement there's so many countervailing considerations like it's and you can't even ignore them. Like you're yeah. looking through these things and you're like, these are all quite legitimate arguments that can all be argued equally. And there's just so many moving pieces there that it's hard to know how to navigate with that in society. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, there's the morally bankrupt, in my opinion. Um, but then there's also this like, I think from a legal perspective, what is it? look like to have people tried you know in a court of justice in a lawful way and evidence and all this kind of stuff but then also knowing the historical reality of how people who have suffered varying abuses are believed and whatnot i mean even look at the black lives matter movement it's like people don't even believe there's inequality for black people let alone like if a woman or a woman of color is like trying to get justice for some sort of assault which i mean brings up a whole other can of worms with like policing and all this kind of stuff but you have that element too of people are just saying we want to be believed and the rate at which we are believed is not great. And also the people who are saying false accusations and all this kind of stuff, there are a lot less than you really think there are. And so how do you kind of, you know, I'm not really asking you anything specific, but <laughs> I think it's just, you know, I think it's just a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Because think about it this way. When you think like the actual court and the court of public opinion, Okay, let's say something happens to someone and they want to speak out. Now, perhaps in their case, maybe they they won't have any evidence or they don't believe that they can actually seek justice in court. Or maybe like maybe they just can't because of the situation that happened. Now, if you can't seek justice in court, it's like what do you do? What if what if you want to tell your story? Okay, so let's say you put it on social media. If you were actually a victim and you put out your story on social media, it's like great, now you've got your story out. People will hear your story. They also will know about the person who actually harmed you and they might know what kind of person they actually are, right? But on the other hand, let's say someone's lying and they make up a story and put it on social media. So it's like, it's only, it's only great when someone's in the right because someone is using the right and they want to go to the court of public opinion, right? It's great for them because maybe they're not going to get their justice from the court system. Which I feel like is the majority. <laughs> yeah, but then when you're in the wrong and like you, I don't know, you want to make up a story for clout, you put it out for the court of public opinion and well, it's like now you just destroyed someone's career or whatever. So it's like for you to say that one is allowed and the other is not, 
you can't really do that because when someone tells their story, only the people involved know what the actual truth is. So it's like you can't stop someone who's putting their story out, who's maybe lying and making stuff out for clout without stopping someone who is telling the truth and putting their story out because this is the only way they're going to get any sort of justice. So yeah. it's like it's a double-edged sword. And even if the vast majority of people are telling the truth, it doesn't really matter in that case because you can't stop the minority without affecting the majority in the situation. Yeah. So there's no real way to like, I know you can't, you just, you just can't really win. In a weird way, it's kind of the reason why like Kanye can't have Christian TikTok because <laughs> there's no way of preventing <laughs> like, because there's no way of preventing the people who, you know, are creepy and old and who have bad intentions from joining that app. Well, there's no way to keep all the bad people out in the world. It's a random change in conversation. I know. No, we but won't I don't stay here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think like. Like you can't keep all the bad people out is what I'm saying. Like, there's no way to ensure. Sure, but you I don't keep all the good and keep. That's like saying like bad. I don't know like you can't have like good content on YouTube. Like they have ways of like monitoring all that stuff, make sure people follow guidelines. But then people slip through the cracks. Sure, but the vast majority. I personally would like to see <laughs> <laughs> Kanye's Christian TikTok, and the reason is I feel like when people have limitations, that's when they make the most creative content. Like. Just the memes alone from that topic on Twitter were great. Anyways, bringing it back. <laughs> I do want to say, though, actually to your initial point about how life imitates art, it almost reminds me of the last season of Dear White People and this kind of dichotomy between, I mean, also if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, but the black male professor who was accused of, or no, I don't even think he was accused. But no, this no, whole he was. It was oh, he was accused. Muffy, she accused yes, him of sexual misconduct. Yes, but I think initially she wasn't going to go forward. I think it was no Coco who encouraged her to. Yes, yes, and so, but this whole dichotomy of like women being believed in sexual assault, and then the power dynamics between a professor and a student, but then also like him as a black man and then also like the history behind that of like being accused of sexual assault by a white person and they really like explored both of those themes in the show yeah because it's hard because it's like historically there have been plenty of black people who have went to jail for crimes they didn't commit yeah and who still are going to jail for crimes they yeah. didn't commit so it's like i don't know it's like it's just really a tough situation all around. It's like, yeah. do I believe this person who is in a group of people who have historically been treated unfairly by the court system? Or do I believe this person who is in a group of people who historically has been <laughs> mistreated by the court system? <laughs> yeah. It's like, basically, it's like, am yeah. I protecting women or am I protecting black men? It's like, yeah. it's like, which group? I don't know. Yeah. And, I, and I, ideally, yeah, I mean, in an ideal system, like... Things are tried on a case-by-case basis and there isn't this prejudice or bias or underlying, you know, thing going into it. But that's never the case. You either have this system and this history of people not being believed both ways, like for being innocent or for being wrong, you know? And then I also want to say because in the morning show, you know, one of Mitch's victims is a black female and you know this notion of like even how survivors handle and deal with that sort of trauma it's so different and so you have this like who makes the perfect victim and all this kind of stuff that also like goes against the truth or getting some sort of justice yeah i think at the end of the day it's like you can't really ever know and i feel like sometimes when things happen i don't want to say people are too quick to pick a side but i feel like you don't need to have the answers for everything in life 
Or at least not right away. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting to learn more. But at the same time, like, I think sometimes you just have to be perfectly fine. You just have to be okay with not knowing what the truth is. But that's really tricky to say. <laughs> okay, for example, and I really want to, because we had a lot of, you and I had a, went back and forth a lot about this with Kavanaugh and that whole case thing. Not so much about the well, actual that was act. a little, that was different. Yeah, that, that was, was different. <laughs> that, was, that was more about his, his ugh, r- reprehensible behavior on the stand. But anyways, um, or not a stand because he wasn't actually in trial. Anyways, um, what I found really interesting about that was like, for me, even from an outsider perspective, someone who maybe like, if you don't have a political stake in that fight, right? Yeah. You're looking at this and you're saying, okay, this is a professor from a reputable university. This is someone who's coming out like many years after something has happened. This is someone who, you know, I think initially didn't want to be public. Like, I think she wrote a letter, but then because they were like, this isn't enough, she had to like, you know, show her face and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. in the process, like she subjected herself. I think it was, is it Christine uh, Blasey Ford? She subjected herself to this immense amount of vitriol and like hate and all this kind of stuff to come forward about it. And then, of course, you know, every right-wing person and their moms called her a <laughs> troll and this that and the third to me i don't even think it's just right-wing people oh it was it was ridiculous in my mind i'm like why would she lie do you know what i mean like yeah. what stake does she have to lie about something like that that's my perspective yeah and then i mean the president of the united states was like it was so long ago and all this kind of stuff and i'm just like i just don't know that me personally like that i would do something like that like, I would come out and say that if I knew my life was going to be absolutely destroyed, if I knew yeah. all these things were going to happen to me, I felt like this truth needed to come out. Like, I just don't know that she would do something like that. But then again, like, this is someone of great standing and moral character. Like, she she seems like someone who's believable. And even that's not, like, enough. Well, I think the tricky thing there is that, like, you can make that argument that, yeah, like, I don't see any reason why she would lie and... You know, I think most reasonable people would believe her. But at the same time, like, that's a slippery slope when you say that. Who's believable. Like, logically, it might make sense. But then it's like, things can make absolute sense when you don't have all the facts. Yeah. Like, logically, it's like, oh, there's like, there's no reason, like, she would lie. But like, I don't know, maybe... I mean, I guess in my mind, I'm like... Because again, like, being anonymous is one thing. But showing your face is another thing. And in my mind, I'm like to know the kind of because she knew what kind of backlash she was gonna get do you know what i mean and the degree i don't know i don't think you can always predict these things i think people tell you like hey when you come forward this is gonna blow up but being told something's much different than actually experiencing it yeah i just don't know that i don't know that you would open yourself up to something like that unless you actually were telling the truth yeah on that scale at the very least you know what i mean I don't, well, I, don't I don't know for all we know he dated one of her friends or whatever and like broke her heart and she's oh never gone over goodness. it <laughs> Stop this. of course like i'm not saying that's true but you're saying that you don't know I, I don't think you can ever know do i believe what she's saying is true yes do i actually know what she's saying is true i can never 100 percent know and i think the problem is like even if just there's just that little bit of doubt because again like even if 99 times out of 100 someone's telling the truth it's like do you do you want to be wrong that one percent and like ruin that innocent person's life yeah. So it's like, I know, it's kind of hard. And then it's even like what we're saying, because people's innocent lives have been ruined yeah. by virtue of like false accusations. I mean, Emmett Till. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's crazy because like Emmett Till wasn't as people like you think nope. it was like a hundred, two hundred years ago, but nope. it was like nineteen like fifty four, fifty three or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't even long ago. Yeah. I will say another social movement that, you know, isn't without its flaws and maybe is along a similar vein, but the, you know, my body, my choice movement. (laughs) And I feel like when we've talked about this, you've kind of said, you know, it's hard to apply that kind of logic with a broad brush. Yes. Do you want to expound on that? And also expound and expand are two different words. Look them up. I know what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, so one of the problems with that line of thought is that you can't apply that to one group of people and not apply it to the other. So, for example, I don't know if it was in, I forgot what Scandinavian country it is, but they're proposing something where if a man decides before the baby is born or a certain time period before the baby is born, he can relinquish all rights to that child and he wouldn't have to pay child support. And like in a way, that is another human being exercising their choice. It's like, can you really force someone to pay money to support a child? Like, can you really force anyone to do anything? <laughs> <laughs> like, when, to force him, or think about it this way. If a woman is pregnant, she has the choice whether or not she wants to have that baby. But in doing that, by making that choice, she's also taking away the man's choice about whether he's going to have a child or not. Which is a very interesting. <laughs> it you know what's funny? It kind of reminds me like of it's not we... his body, but in that situation, like he's being forced to do something. Like he's being forced to provide for this child, which technically I guess through his body because I don't know he works or whatever. It's like he's being forced to do something with his body, and he's not. He doesn't really have a choice in it. By one person exercising their choice in this situation, you're effectively taking away someone else's choice. It reminds me of something we said. I don't know if it was in the first or the second episode. But the idea of, like, there are very few things you can do in this life that don't affect somebody else. (laughs) Yes, 100%. Although, mm, that's that's a slippery slope because at the end of the day, by choosing to be with that person or whatever, doesn't he automatically consent to the small chance, if there's any, that he could have a child? Yes, but think about it this way. A man could also say, okay, before we get together... I'm making it very clear <laughs> that I only want to have a child. Like I, I am not for abortion. In that situation, can he then make the argument that if she sleeps with him, isn't she not acknowledging that small chance that there might be a baby? Oh, wow. That's really <laughs> messy. Okay, wait, I'm confused. So he's saying that if there is a kid, he wants to keep it. Yes. And so then you're saying that's eliminating her choice no i'm saying for her to then sleep with him Mm -hmm. isn't she not acknowledging the fact that there is a possibility that she could have a child with him and it's like and knowing what his wishes are okay but then what if she does get pregnant inside she doesn't want to have the kid then what and he's like, oh, but I do want to have the kid. Then whose choice? I'm just confused. She's, she's effectively made the choice for herself to take away his choice. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. But no, 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 no. But the argument is my body, my choice. Yes. Well, that's, that's where the whole child support thing comes in. Because at the end of the day, for him to provide for the child, that's him doing something with his body. He is physically <laughs> going to work. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
I guess I guess because like women actually have the children, right? Like the whole body, the whole body element. I guess it's easier to visualize, but at the same time, it's well, like, it's also it's that, and it's the or fact it's easy that, to make the connection to. Yeah, it's that, but I think it's also the fact that there are very few, if not, I mean, I can maybe think of one or two laws that actually dictate or affect a man's body in a way that that there are a women's. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think people are also more quick to associate the my body, my choice thing with a woman because there are laws that directly impact the way women use their bodies and not so much the way that men do. So people people can make that association much quicker. I know, conscription is still a thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> Which is so weird. It is. Ugh. Well, then again, I'm like, isn't it in Israel that everyone has to serve? That's correct. Actually, I used to, when I was working at the camp that I worked at, there were these two lovely twins and they were born in Israel, but I believe they didn't have Israeli citizenship because they didn't serve in the army or they weren't <laughs> going to when they turned 18. Like they had the choice. It was either like serve in the army for That's a year crazy. or a couple. Yeah. And actually I have a friend who is um, Israeli, Nadav, if you're listening to this, hello. <laughs> but he also, I think... I don't know if he was like, you know, there and then he, I'm not going to say too much, but. (laughs) um, Government's listening. That was also a thing I think he had to do. But yeah, I don't know. I, it's an interesting thing because I do think that, I mean, like many broad brush arguments, there tend to be fallacies. Like you just tend to run into problems when you go like, everyone can do everything and it's their choice. It's like, I just feel like there's so many ways that doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, like, you still have a government that still tells you, like, what yeah. you do with your body. I think, like, like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I think that's probably, like, the biggest problem. Or not a problem, but, like, that's probably the biggest issue with some of the things in the Me Too movement. And I guess a lot of it even just has to do with wording. But, like, when you make a statement, like, mm. no, believe all women, it's, like, just that just that word choice leads to some problems. And I guess most most reasonable people won't have any problems right? because they know the gist of it. But then right. people can definitely flip that easily. It's like, oh, but like this woman lied. So you're saying you should believe all women like she is included in that. Mm. So it's like sometimes you just got to be careful how you word things. Because I feel like the the wording and the terminology sometimes create more problems than Delicious. the actual issues at hand. Yeah. I think... At the end of the day, the way I see it, don't sleep with people who don't share your same views. I mean, you're not wrong, (laughs) but... I mean, that's not going to happen in practice, but... No, and there's so much to that, too. I mean, like, I think in an ideal world, you know, that is what happens, but there are so many other things even in that statement, too. It's like, what about people who obviously are assaulted and, you know, this whole notion of, like, oh, I was with someone and blah, 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 and it wasn't consensual. It's like, that's not just like sleeping with someone without consent. There's a word for that. Like it's called rape or like sleeping with a minor. It's like, no, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I think even the word consent brings up a lot of, I guess people try to make it seem like a straightforward, but then it's not because I forget what school happened, but you have a case where two people get drunk, they sleep with each other. And then in the morning it becomes a race. Neither of them consented. But then it's like, did oh, they yeah. both rape each other if we're going to go by, you know, if we're going to go by that definition? Yeah. And then it became a race in the morning of who can get to the Title IX office first and report the other. I think the girl got kicked out of school and the guy didn't. It reminds me of the Gameshi case and that whole thing about like what consent actually meant. Like it was almost like this 
this thing of like, was he going to lose his job and like all this kind of stuff? Because it was so unclear. Like the whole. I think that was a little different because Mm -hmm. I don't remember it being necessarily about consent, but more so that. I think it was though. I think he. I think. I think. Yeah. I think it was along the lines of like. In his mind, it was clear and, like, they did well, have consent. Because, then... okay, I think the judge concluded was that the three women lied about what had happened. Oh, I didn't know that that yeah, was... Yeah, oh, he, wow. he, the judge made it clear that it was, like... Because they were going to win the case. But then, I guess, they started talking to each other and they pretty much started colluding or I don't know what they... Yikes. They basically made some stuff up and then eventually the judge is like, yeah, so you guys pretty much came together and lied and... I think even in that case, um, I don't think the evidence kind of added up because I, I think one of the women lived like was like a five hour drive away or something. Not five, maybe not a five hour drive, but like at least a couple hours away. And someone was like the fact that after she had went back to, I guess, her home and like they're both a considerable distance apart, she was still messaging him afterwards. So it's like I think there was also more to it where the stories didn't really add up. Yeah. I think the judge made it clear that he thought they're all lying. Yeah. That was very interesting. <sighs> yeah, the whole thing is just kind of messy. I mean, I think all of it is, you know, the, the, I think that's the the reality that there aren't all these clear lines like we make it out to be. Actually, I guess, I think the biggest thing I didn't like about that case is like, people like people don't really care about the outcome of a case. I think that's Once the... it's in the court of public opinion court of public opinion or the actual court like once that first allegation comes out it kind of just lives with you forever yeah and i think that's one reason why a lot of people put so much emphasis on you know the small percentage of cases where the person's actually lying because even just an allegation sometimes is enough to like ruin someone regardless of if it's true or not it's like once the allegation comes out there some people will literally refuse to believe anything else but i mean side note it's also like the whole kylie jenner thing of like the whole brown skin girl and i remember talking to a friend who was basically like yo kylie jenner's just catching all the smoke like she just like you know blah blah blah, and like and my mind i was like i can't i can't see her posting that it just seems weird but then i was like whatever i don't really care and then literally it was like, this is a hoax. Like, she didn't actually say brown skin girl. Like, she said brown eyed girl. And, like, that blew up. There's, but, like, yeah. you'd never you'd never know that. Do you know what I no. mean? It's like, you, there's, there's so many people posting the actual truth. And people just ignore that. It's like, they get their headline or they get that initial allegation and they, that's it. Yeah. It's like, their minds will never be changed. This is kind of random. Um, but there is a... I think documentary that's being released on Netflix soon. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm not being paid for this promo, but it's... um Yet. We're not being paid yet. We're not being paid yet. I'm really looking forward to watching it. And it's called The Social Dilemma. And basically, it's like a documentary drama kind of hybrid that explores like the dangerous impacts of like social media and networking and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things in the trailer that really caught my attention was just this thing of like... And you've got people who are like who were top level people at like Google, Instagram, Facebook, like major companies. These aren't just like average Joes they pulled off the street. It's yeah. like, I was the CEO of Twitter at one point, like these <laughs> kinds of people. And basically this guy was like, not just the way things are tailored, like we know our information's being used and all this kind of stuff, but yeah. it's like, you could search up the words, Kylie Jenner is 
blank. What will come up under suggested will be different from a search that I'm doing here in Canada to the US to China to India to like anywhere else in the world. Like all the options that come under are completely different. And so what he was kind of saying was like that's like even that's tailored to to you and all these kinds of data that's been collected. Um, but more specifically, like how fake news is then like perpetuated into this cycle, into this zeitgeist, if you will, is done at a rate that is so quick, the truth can't even like catch up to it. No. Nope. It's like, I think it's like, I think it's like six times faster than like anything like, true. The That's truth quickly... would have to be a much, like the truth would have to have like some shocking twist that makes a much bigger story than exactly like the original. Yeah. Like that's the, literally the only way that, the truth is ever going to spread. Yeah. If the truth isn't, if it doesn't sell better, then the yeah. lie will. Or it would have to be something that's like, it has to be a situation where the truth was very like, was contested or a lot of people didn't believe it or were on the fence or something like that. Yeah. I think overall, the biggest problem is in this day and age, we're all about reacting and not about actually listening. Someone posts a story and we just react to it. We don't actually listen to what they're saying. We don't wait to see if someone has a response or we don't look around, verify the information, fact checked or whatever. It's just, I saw this headline, I'm going to react. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, the consequences of that is like... Dire sometimes. I will say this though, and I think it's something that I'm trying to live by. And I credit my best friend Naomi Wong who said this. Um, I think we need to live in a time where we value perhaps now more than ever conversations over consumption 100 percent